The Old Testament lesson for Ash Wednesday is from Joel, chapter 2. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle is from 2 Peter chapter 1. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sorrow over your sin, feeling sorry for what you've done, contrition in your heart, a broken heart, a broken spirit, which God does not despise, that's the starting place for a Christian. Recognizing that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, me most of all, chief of sinners that I am. That's the starting place for a Christian. That's the beginning of repentance. But that is not the end of your relationship with sin. Sorrow over your sin is just the beginning of your relationship with sin. I'd like you to come away from tonight and enter into the season of Lent with some energy. Some energy in the struggle against sin. Some energy in turning away from the things that God despises and that you have learned to despise because they are evil. I'd like you to come away not merely with tears in your eyes over what you have done, but with joy in your heart and hope before you for the great things that God is going to do through you. For the good works, for the righteousness that he has in store for you. It's beyond what you could imagine. It's more than you could hope for. God does not want you to languish in your sins. He does not want you to remain with tears in your eyes. He wants you to rise up and fight and follow your Savior. That's my hope for you at the end of tonight, that you'll have some energy, that you'll take up again this Lent, the shield of faith, as you fight against the devil and the world and your own sinful nature, as you fight not desperately, but confident of the victory that you have in Christ, rejoicing that the enemy has been routed, your champion has won for you. But before we can get there, it's important that you know something about sin. You know lots of things about sin. You're very familiar with it. You know it well. It lurks in your heart. It has lurked there from the moment you were conceived. You know sin well, but you may not know exactly all of the consequences of sin or just what it does to a person. And one of the things that we learned tonight in Jesus' admonition to his disciples, beware when you practice your righteousness not to be like the hypocrites. Beware of thinking that you can do things that your Father in heaven won't see 
Beware of thinking that God, who is in heaven, can't see inside your heart. Sin makes you stupid. It makes you think that you can get away with it. It makes you think that you can cover for yourself. It makes you think, like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that you can hide. That some fig leaves sewn together will cover your shame. Or, having been discovered by God, it makes you think that you can lie. Oh, we just didn't want to see you. We didn't want you to see us like this, unclothed. No, it was their sin. It was their guilt that drove them to despair. But sin, that same sin, made them stupid, thinking that they could hide from God, thinking that they could cover themselves. Look at the hypocrites in our gospel lesson who put on this show of piety with their prayers and with their acts of charity and with their fasting. They do it all so that they can be seen by other people and thereby they have the reward. Those slaps on the back, those good job, well done, you're such a good person, that's their reward. And they love it. But they're stupid because that reward counts for nothing. The praise of people The praise of sinful people is worthless, especially in comparison with the praise that comes from God. The hypocrites, because of their sin, love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They trade the glory of the Creator for the glory of created things. How could you do that except if you're stupid, if you've been beset by folly, if you've been blinded, You've been turned inward so that you cannot see anything in front of you. That's exactly what sin does to us. It makes us stupid. Now, it makes sense that people would do these kinds of things, that they would try to hide their sin, that Adam and Eve would flee from God. It makes sense because God is a terror to the wicked. He's a terror to the wicked because he is just and good. And in view of his purity, his holiness, his righteousness, we can only wither and fade and die. That's why, that's why everyone's first retort when they feel like someone is being critical is to say something like, don't judge me. Because there's nothing worse than being judged. Especially when the judgments are true. The idea that somebody sees you and judges you is terrible. And how much more terrible if it's God? who sees more than what anyone else sees, who sees into your heart, who hears the thoughts of your hearts. How terrible is that for the wicked to know that God judges, and he judges perfectly, and he misses nothing. And so the cope is to hide, as if you're a child hiding under the covers from some noise you heard in the hallway, as if those covers are actually going to save you. That's the cope. And what else can you do? You hide. You pretend as if God did not exist. That's how most of our world acts, as if God did not exist at all. We're just going to pretend like he's not there. I can't see him, so he can't see me. What folly. Or, many people act, they act as if they are righteous. They spend their lives being busy doing righteous-seeming things, day in and day out, to act, to pretend as if they are righteous. That's what the word hypocrite really means. It means to be an actor, to portray one thing when you're actually something else. It's why people strive and labor, why they work so hard to appear good. That is so common in our world 
And the praise that people get from one another about their goodness, that only makes the problem worse. We actually buy the act. We buy the pretense. We believe people when they seem to be doing well. We're fooled by the hypocrisy. That actually makes it worse. Or maybe we're not fooled by the hypocrisy. Maybe we just like to go along with it because it's comfortable. It's comfortable, isn't it? If we're all doing okay, if everyone's okay, if we're all pretty good people, if we're all going to make it in the end, it's a comfortable lie. That's what sin does to us. It makes us believe lies, lies that are obviously untrue. And it makes you content with this reward, this trivial reward. Treasure stored up on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Treasure that goes away, treasure that doesn't last, that is worthless, maybe even from one day to the next. Worthless to try to heap up for ourselves any kind of protection against the terror of God, against wickedness. God's word is very clear. The day of the Lord is coming, it's coming like a thief. And then those who have spent their lives in hypocrisy, in hiding, in trying to pretend, in acting, they will be surprised. And it will be a tragedy. A tragedy because they did not need to act. They did not need to hide. They did not need to pretend anything. You have learned, dear Christians, you have learned that you do not need to act. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend because you have been taught by God. That's why you're here tonight. And you're here tonight once again to be taught by God, first of all, to sorrow over your sins. Not crying with crocodile tears, not putting on a show, not simply sorry that you got caught in what you did that was wrong, but sorry that you have grieved your maker, that you've broken God's heart. That's what you have learned from God. The Holy Spirit has taught you that, that your sin is grievous, that it breaks your Father's heart. You have learned that from God by his word. You can see the dreadful consequences of sin all around you. You can see it in your own life, in your own heart. God has taught you true sorrow over sin, not an act, not fake, not to impress anyone, but sorrow that leads to joy. Because you have also been taught by God to trust in Him. That while He is a terror to the wicked, He is not a terror to you because you are His children. He's not a terror to you because He has laid down His Son's life for you. You heard the words of Joel. Return to the Lord. This is His plea to you, His dear children. Return to the Lord your God for He is not a terror But he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. You have learned. You have learned in the cross of Jesus, in his blood poured out for you, you have learned how loving, how desperately loving your God is. And you have been taught by God to despise sin. Many people think, many Christians think, that living a life of faith and repentance is kind of grudgingly giving up things that you really want to do. (laughs) But that's not what you have learned. That's not how you've been taught by God. You've been taught by God to hate the sin which God hates. To hate it for what it does to you. To hate it for what it does to your neighbor. To hate it because it breaks God's heart. God has taught you that. He's given you a new heart and a new spirit. 
a new kind of love, a love for what is actually good, for what is true and for what is beautiful, not for the ugly, false, and wicked things of this world. You have been taught to love God, to love his blessings, to love the way that he loves. That's what God has taught you, just as he has taught you that the reward for acting, for putting on a show, for seeking the praise of people, for doing good things so that others can acclaim you, that that reward is vain. He's taught you that it's worthless. He's taught you that those words are nothing. They're empty promises. Everything that the world and the devil and your own flesh promise you about instant gratification, about having your way right now, about enjoying the pleasures of this life right now, God has taught you that it's all false. It's all a lie. Vanity of vanities. It's, it's sweeped away by the, like the dust. It blows away like chaff. It's gone. It's gone. It's worthless. He has taught you that. And he has taught you that that acting is worthless. That acting is worthless because the battleground is not what's on the outside, but it's what's on the inside. The battleground is in your heart. That's where sin is fought. That's where the war is waged. Rend your hearts, Joel says. Rend your hearts and not your garments. God has taught you that there's something much more important going on. And what you do with your right hand or your left is what's in your heart. He has taught you that that's where the battle is waged, and he has taught you how to fight it. He's taught you how to defeat sin. He's taught you how to overcome the devil. He's taught you how to say no to the world and all of its enticements. He's taught you to trust in him, to learn faith in him. He's taught you to practice righteousness. Not receiving your reward, reward from anyone who sees you, but receiving a reward from God himself. From your maker, from your creator, from your father. That's the great hope of this passage from Matthew chapter 6. There's all these warnings. Watch out. Beware. Don't do these things. Don't do this. Don't pretend. Don't act. Be, don't be like those people. Why? Because there is something so much better for you. Because your father sees in secret. So the things that you do in secret, in your heart, those are the things that God rewards. He doesn't just say to you, give up the things that you think are good. Give up the pleasures of this life. He says, no, give them up because they're worthless and I have something much better for you. Something much more joyous, something permanent, something that lasts. So, practice righteousness. Live your faith. And thank God that he sees every last bit of it. Every last bit which no one else will see which no one else will regard. And in fact, if they do say it, see it, they'll punish you for it. They'll ridicule you for it. They'll think you're shameful, wasting your time, wasting your life. Pay no attention to them. Your father sees in secret. He knows the battle that you wage in your heart against sin. He knows when you strive to love as he has loved. He knows when you put your trust in him. Receive your reward from him. Look to him for the reward for your righteousness. So do these things, these things that Jesus describes. Give to the needy. Give to those who do not have. Why? Not to be seen by others. But because in giving, you show the love of God to everyone around you. In giving, you put to death your sinful flesh, which wants to hold on to your stuff, which thinks that it's yours and it doesn't belong to God, that it shouldn't be given to anyone else. You put it to death when you give to the needy, not letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing, when you do it because of the love of God. So do it. Do it and thank God that he sees what no one else sees. And pray. 
Pray when no one else is looking. Pray when everyone else is silent. Pray when it seems like it won't accomplish anything. Because in doing so, you're putting to death your sinful flesh. You're telling it, I can't fix my problems on my own. I can't save anyone on my own. I can't even save myself. It all must be handed over to God. Cast your cares on him. Pray. And in praying, learn to trust in God. In praying, put to practice the righteousness that he has given to you. Your Savior, Jesus, prayed to his Heavenly Father. Jesus, who trusted perfectly. Jesus, who needed nothing. He prayed. So also should you. Pray like Jesus. Put to practice the righteousness that God has given you in your baptism by faith. Put it to practice. And you'll see the reward that God gives you. And fast. Fasting is often misunderstood. It's kind of frowned upon in many circles because it seems like an extra thing, something that we really shouldn't have to do. It's an old practice, an old habit, something that gets burdened by laws. If anyone ever tells you, if anyone ever tells you this is how you must fast, ignore them. They don't know what they're talking about. God says, fast. Jesus says, when you fast, here's how you do it. Act like you're not fasting. When you fast, don't let anyone know. But say no to the desires of your flesh. Say no to your stomach. Say no to whatever it is that your flesh wants for a time, so that you can learn that you don't need it. So that you can learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that you can learn again to trust in God and that he is trustworthy. When you fast, don't do it so that anyone can see you, but fast so that you can receive your reward from your Heavenly Father. And the reward is this, that he will fill you up to the top, to the brim and overflowing with goodness and blessings. Not because you've done some work that earns his forgiveness, that earns his love, but because his love for you is better than what you could put in your bellies. It's better than what your flesh wants. It's the love that he shows for you on the cross. It's life, eternal life in Jesus. In doing all of this, in doing these things, in putting to practice your righteousness, in being taught by God to trust in him, You'll be fulfilling exactly what St. Peter commended to you today. Listen again. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. You have lots to do, lots to do for a better reward than anything that could be on offer in this world, for a better reward than anything that is temporal and fleeting, for a reward from your Heavenly Father. So make every effort. Get to work. Be busy with righteousness now. The time is now. Maybe you noticed this in the prophet Joel. He says the time is for everyone. He says nursing infants, even the children, the bridegroom in his chamber, the bride in her chamber, now is the time for everyone, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you've been doing, no matter where you are in life or what you think is next, now is the time to once again take up the shield of faith, to once again engage the struggle against sin, to once again put it to flight, to put it to flight by faith in Jesus because he has already defeated the devil for you. He's already buried your flesh in his grave He's already borne all of your sins and your guilt to the cross. He's already now given you his resurrection life. Today, 
Today is the day of salvation. We don't have to wait for Easter to live a new life. Today is the day of resurrection in Christ. So be busy with that. Live in that way. Put your trust in God and rejoice that he gives such wonders to you, that he blesses you, and that he rewards your faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.